Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. We were looking forward to this race and it delivered in absolute space. Sergio Perez won the Sakir Grand Prix. It looked like George Russell would win. Then it looked like Perez might do it. Then it looked like George Russell would win again. And in the end, Sergio Perez won his first F1 race in 189 starts. He's the first Mexican since Pedro Rodriguez in 1970 to win an F1 race. It, there was chaos all over the field. There was storylines all over. It was just an incredible race. Um, I'm here with Freddie Coates and Nigel Chu, as usual. How are you both? What were your thoughts after the race, Nigel? It was, it was just crazy. It was absolutely off the scale what was going on so much happening and to be honest I thought after the, the first lap incident with Verstappen and looking at one time I thought it would be a bit boring if anything because uh, Russell was doing such a good job but then halfway through the race after the Aitken incident it just turned on its head as it as it does in F1 on, on, the, on, on occasion yeah Freddie yeah, I, I agree with Nigel. After um, the main challenges of Verstappen and probably Leclerc, because he was who had a ridiculous pace, um, had uh, had their coming together. Um, well, Perez and Leclerc had their coming together. Anyway, we'll get into that. But um, after all of that happened, you would write out the the main challenges to Mercedes, write off the main challenges to Mercedes, and proves that you know anything can happen in Formula One. Yeah, it's it's just the amount of storylines over the weekend. You've got Hamilton's not there because of his COVID. Then you know Verstappen goes out in the first lap for you know fourth corner, and you know Bottas and Russell looked like a two horse race from there. And you know Russell was kind of winning that, but you never kind of truly. I don't think I would have felt confident until the last lap because you always felt like you know Bottas could turn it up or Russell's tyres could fall off or whatever. And you know in the end. And then it did go wrong for him. And, you know, you've just got all these contenders dropping away. And then, you know, some coming back and then dropping away again. You know, we thought Perez would go this weekend. And then, you know, after the first lap incident, you know, he seems to be out of the running completely. I think it's it's the first sporting event kind of in a long time that I can remember that has been so hyped and lived up to the hype and exceeded the hype. Um I think I'll start by asking you both for your drivers of the day. I think that's, I don't know, oh. the place to start. I mean, for me, it's got to be Russell. I, I think he did drive an absolutely exceptional race and he was undone by two things that weren't his fault at all. I think for me, it's tied between Russell and Perez because the way Perez came back from disaster has to, has to come into this. And the way he, you know, never give up can-do attitude is fantastic, but... It could have been so easy to get stuck behind a fast, in a straight line car at the back of the grid, like a Williams or something that can be quite fast in a straight line. And when they sort out their own wings, um, it would have been so easy to get stuck behind them. But no, in two laps, he was up into 12th from 18th on that restart and just plucked on and carried on. And it was the same with Russell when adversity hit. He carried on and he fought up, fought back and he got up to second and then got another puncture, unfortunately. And both of them showed the steel and metal that you that Formula One drivers of the highest caliber have. So I think I'm gonna cop out and give it to both of them. Oh, I was gonna say that as well. I can't I can't say they're both exceptional drives in the race. I, I'm like Freddie, I'm gonna 
that is weird for me because I normally don't sit on the fence or anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I cannot say. They're both outstanding. There are a lot of good drives for people that people just did nothing wrong that mm. deserved mm. good results. Like Science, for instance, had an excellent drive yeah. and deserved a really good result from where he was. And he was... He deserved the third place that he sat in for the majority of the race. Russell deserved the win that he sat in for the majority of the race. But Perez deserved the win as well that he didn't sit in for any of the race until the end. And ironically, the two of the podium finishes, Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll, they had, it felt like they had quite quiet races. You know, they were involved yeah. in incidents, but, you know, you kind of didn't notice them apart from Freddie jumping off the sofa to shout Ocon every time he t- moved up a position. There's, back, there's, um, there's a backstory to this, and that's because I tipped Ocon. I was like, oh, Ocon's on the mediums. Okay, because these guys are on the softs. Ocon could just jump them because he was hanging with them on pace. So I tipped to Adam, who I was watching the race with. I said, Ocon could well get a podium here if he, if he jumps them all, and Ocon finished on the podium. So I think I should have tweeted it. <laughs> See, that's the thing for me, Stroll and Ocon had more luck than... Or they weren't as good as science was today, for example. But they just they looked into it a bit more. Mm. That's how I see it. Well, I think we'll we'll get onto those, but we'll start with Sergio Perez. There's only one place to start, and that's F1's hundred and tenth Grand Prix winner. Um, Which I predicted. Apparently, I think I saw a tweet with, after the Gasly win. Like, I yeah. said to someone, it'd be Perez. <laughs> I think after the Gasly. Um, when we all, I think on the next podcast, we predicted he'd be 110. I think I went Russell, someone went for science. I can't remember who the Probably other Probably me went for science because he remember, came second. I can't remember who the other pick was. Um, I think I might have said Perez. I can't remember. Mm. Oh, that's convenient. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think but, I did genuinely. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nigel has Twitter evidence of that. Um, how you go get him, everyone? How much of an influence do you think this will have over Perez's chances for next year and chances to continue his F1 career in the future? Absolutely nothing at all. I agree. <laughs> I think for 2022, he seemed very certain on the, on the pre-post-race interview that he had an option for 2022. Yeah, he and unless this podium for Ocon has done him wonders within Renault, I think... That's an early tip for the 2022 seat for me is Perez to Renault. I just don't see how he can be left off the grid, though. And I think, just Alex, Alex you know, I'm sorry to say it, and I really don't want to be saying this, believe me. But just, you know, when you compare their two races today, you've got all the main contenders who would normally be in the picture out, out of it for one reason or another. And this should be the race that Alex Albon's in there to win. You know, this yeah. should be the race that, you know, the second team on the grid, second driver should be there to win. And he just wasn't, which I think to me is, you know, if you imagine kind of last season, if Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas and Leclerc are out, you know, you'd expect Vettel to be head and shoulders above the West taking the win. That wasn't even in a particularly impressive season for Vettel. I just think it's not, yeah, reflecting on Albon, it's it's just, you know, not good at all because this is why he's in the seat ultimately. Um, but going back to Perez, just how how much of a monumental moment is it for this driver who, you know, has faced hardship kind of throughout his career and, you know, he had to make the jump to Europe and then, you know, get into the F1C. He went to McLaren and it didn't pan out for him and, you know, he kind of had to drop back down the grid and, you know, it looks, for the moment, it looks like his F1 career is coming to the end. 
um, next week. And you know, it's, it's he had did he have the most the record from those race starts without a win? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, on that kind of how monumental is this? Yeah, you know, it's absolutely huge. It's, it's to highlight of his career and I think it will make up for most of the disappointment that he's had including just last week when his engine blew up when he was running in third mm, yeah. uh, you know it's, every, it's everyone's <laughs> dream to win well to be an F1 and then you want to get to win a race and only 110 people have done that now one of them is Sergio Perez and he just fully deserves it after nine brilliant years very consistent you know he's so good with the, with the tyres he shows pace at times and he does take opportunities which is why he's had podiums with Salba with Force India racing point and now he's taken the opportunity the opportunities today even when things went wrong initially to steal the win and so yeah highlight of his career by far and it's just yeah massively massively deserved it's retribution for Bob Fernley and VJ Malia for actually signing him up yeah. for 2014 because um Adrian Sisson and Paul DeResta didn't do anything overly wrong to lose a Force India seat. Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio Perez coming in, looking back, is a fantastic um, opportunity for Force India in 2014. But um, bringing in Perez was a bit of a gamble. He was the full guy for McLaren, as Adam said, for McLaren's worstly designed, worst designed car at that time of 30 years. So he, he had, he had um, so much weight on his back when he came to Team Silverstone, and he has stuck with them. They stuck with him until this year, until the year where he has really proved why they've stuck with him and why they signed a three, four-year deal with him in the off-season. So, I mean, yeah, who it, who, it, who it, was it, last driver? To, sorry, Freddie. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> no, he, yeah, I'm just going to wrap it up with he. Um, he's really going to give them the evils, you'd think. <laughs> mm. I mean, who was the last driver to go from last to first? Yes, the safety cars helped him a lot, but it just doesn't happen nowadays. Well, I think people call the 2011 Canadian Grand Prix when Jensen oh, Button yeah. went from last to first, yeah. one of the best ever drives in Formula One. Um, so, what are they going to call this? It's, it's similar to me because Button, you know, he had help with the safety cars as, as well. He had help uh, with the probably, probably more dramatic, Button's. Yeah, but in terms of the actual drive, I think Perez's today was very similar. I'd, I'd say in terms yeah, of how great penalty like Boston did. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he did have major fortune in the fact that Russell mm. had two yeah. awful moments of bad luck. You know, oh, genuinely yeah. he Horrible. didn't put a foot wrong in the race. I don't even remember seeing him lock up at all in the race. He looked like he drove his race to perfection. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll get on to that. Um, and yeah, but just just finally on Perez, which do you think is a better story, him winning here or Gasly winning at Monza? Ooh. I think Perez. I think Perez because I, I think Perez Gasly as well. Gasly had the podium in uh, Interlagos yes. as his arc. Mm. Perez's win here is Perez. If we're thinking about it in Hollywood manners, yeah, this is Perez's redemption. This is Perez's. Um, two fingers to the establishment and the way that Gasly's podium was in Interlagos uh, last season. And the fact that this could be his penultimate race in F1, this could be the end of his career and he's going to go out as a race winner. Yeah, he's done exactly. what he wanted to do for so many years and now the next step is to win more. 
They say yeah. the second album's the most difficult. <laughs> yeah. And I think just you know, it's it's what an what a win means is that you were the driver, you were the best driver on the day. You know, you yeah. put in the best performance, you know, in the best situation that you could to to take a win. You know, getting podiums is is an incredible achievement, but you know, it's it's that step below both literally and figuratively. You know, it's being one of the best drivers in the day. But this is, you know, when everything was on the table, Perez was, you know, able the to man. make the most of what he had. And, and this is what I mean. I mean, I don't want to go back to Monza, but this is what I meant when Stroll had his chance to win in the racing point, which was a good car. He didn't take it. What Perez has taken it. That that is the difference between mm. them. Yeah. Stroll threw away. Um, arguably a good restart when he nearly ploughed into the back of Ocon as well. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting debrief from the Lance Stroll side of the garage, I think. Mm. I don't really know. I don't really know mm. what to no, say. No, he should be happy Because he got the third place and he could have got a one-two. He was in always, always pressurising Ocon, but he just couldn't get past Ocon. Where it was Perez a better third place to Monza, I think. Sorry? It was a much better third place than Monza, I'd say. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and I think it's his best podium. It's better than Baku. Yeah, and then, you know, just we'll, we'll move on to Russell in a second. I think the only other thing that I thought about was that in this crazy season where kind of lots of drivers are getting opportunities, you know, obviously you had the Science getting his podium and um, Stroll getting his at Monza, obviously. Gasly getting his win, yeah. Norris got his first podium, Leclerc's had a few when he's been kind of out of it. It kind of looked like it might pass Perez by up until Turkey. You know, it kind of looked like he could be the driver who, you know, wouldn't get that champagne moment. And, you know, now he's got the the biggest champagne moment that you can that you can get in the sport, you know, within a single race. So it's absolutely stunning. But on the flip side, it was absolutely heartbreaking to see Russell lose out twice on a win. And it was we thought when the puncture radio message came through, we kind of looked for a second like, you know, they might have messed up the graphics because that was when Bottas was slipping back through the field. It looked like Russell wasn't losing any time at the time. So, you know, I think we were hoping that it was for Bottas and that, you know, it wouldn't affect Russell's race. But it was just completely heartbreaking, both both of them, for Russell. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe what was happening. It, it, like you said, it's heartbreaking. There's no other word to describe it. And as you mentioned before, Adam, he did not put a foot, foot wrong all weekend, quite frankly, to be that close in qualifying, pretty much matching Bottas, to be on it straight away in Friday practice. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't spin. Collected the data, did all the things that we don't use, that we don't see, really. He did all the things that the team wanted and then he got the start on on the at the start of the race, a, a very good start. Uh, Bottas not so, and he was genuinely gapping Bottas. I mean, the, yeah. the mm. three or four laps out of the pits where he built a three four second margin, and that was outstanding, a really really good effort. And I think he he would have maintained a pretty good advantage to the end of the race. I, I don't think Bottas would have got would have got near near mm. Russell had when he. Yeah, when they pit under the safety car, they had a five-second gap. Bottas, he had backed off a bit, Russell, because he knew how he knows how to work these tyres, and he knew that he was forcing Bottas into a more of a pushing position, so Bottas, so Russell could ease off a bit and take um, Cruz to the victory, which 
he should have done really he should have done if it wasn't for um mercedes being being careful being cautious on the tires because they were experimenting with the curbs russell did come onto the radio and talk about using the curbs bottas was using the curbs and the tires stayed fine there was a few maybe suspension um worries because it is a bumpy bumpy outer circuit the the new bit of track is throwing cars around like there's no tomorrow and there's been a lot of floor damage overnight um from yesterday um so they were a little bit cautious on that they just didn't want to have heavily vibrating tires later on in the race basically and they had an opportunity to avoid that and that's why mercedes pit and that's understandable and the way it just capitulated into disaster yeah is is so un mercedes that it's ridiculous yeah it's it's like hockenheim last year where you know it's kind of you could put the benny hill theme tune over it really yeah um at least hockenheim last year has the excuse of that hamilton went off basically yeah. at the pit lane. Yeah. They didn't even have that excuse. They called both of them in to double stack, put on the wrong tyres on Russell, sent him out, realised when Bottas was there, and then obviously had to bring Russell back in, handing the podium positions to, uh, to um, rival teams who are fast teams in a straight line. The Renault has been great in a straight line all year, as has the racing point. These are speedster teams that you are hard to overtake. And they, 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 they shot themselves in the foot. And then... When Russell got another puncture, that's like pushing over the guy with crutches and taking his crutches and hitting him with the crutches. Um, it's it's horrible. It's horrible luck. Yeah. And I think it's similar to Leclerc um, in 2019 in Bahrain, and it's just it's just really sad. Yeah. It, it's coming into the weekends. We knew he was fast. We knew he's a hard worker and he's focused and. You know, he's a good team player and we knew all of this. And But, you know, the, the doubts were, you know, his, his starts. You know, he, he's known as Mr. Saturday, but he, in general, his race starts haven't been good, that good. In part, that might be down to the Williams and its starting procedures. We don't know. He dropped but, from, what, 13, 14th on the yeah, grid last week to last. But his, you know, his race starts have been questioned. His, you know, race craft has been questioned. He's not, you know, made too many stunning overtakes. Time management in the long runs. On Friday, he was actually off Bottas, especially on the hard tyres. Bottas was outperforming him there. You know, safety car restarts, his, his biggest, you know, most under-pressure moment at safety car restart up to this point had been Magella, where he lost out to Vettel. Um, you know, these are kind of all elements that have been questioned coming into the race that we didn't really know. They were untested on Russell because we've not just we've not had that litmus test of being able to test him against a, you know, high quality teammate like Valtteri Bottas is. And he just did so well in every aspect of the race weekend in a car that he's just had to come into, you know, and learn on the spot. And he's not comfortable in, you know, it's not built for him. <laughs> he's, you know, he's had issues, you know, his feet are too big, his body's too big. So it's been a compromise all weekend. And yet he was still in a position to win. And then when he lost out the first time, he was then coming back and he would have overtaken Perez, you know, a few laps before the end. Anyway, it's... I would have been able to presumably build a gap for the inevitable penalty that probably will come. Yeah. Even if it is a 10 second penalty if it's a 30 second penalty to make up for a drive-through which it traditionally would be to make up for a drive-through um then he still probably could have built up a gap to get in a chunk of points yeah. against the other cars who are all getting held up behind Esteban Ocon and 
he had he had an eight second in hand to walk on when Russell had to pull back into the pits. Mm. Basically, Perez finished with ten seconds to walk on. So what could Russell have done? We don't know. But yeah. he 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 worked. In, we always forget that these drivers who come up to Formula One who sit at the back for a couple of years. The reason they've got up to Formula One is they spent their whole careers leading races and starting from pole and being in the pressure cooker of that environment of those championships. Formula Two, Russell came and did bat an eyelid and won it, and that was it. So obviously there's going to be doubts, but of anyone to do well in under the pressure, George Russell is one who you would expect to, mm. and he delivered. He delivered, yeah. and he kept his head down when problems came awry. He had every challenge. He could have really easily um, completely messed up his mind. And he, had, he did have one lock-up, and it was when he came out of the pits for the final time, ahead of Fittipaldi and Aitken, and that was it. He had one lock-up there, and that was, you could tell, they played on the radio, his, his scream, yeah. his distress, and that's the only time it got to him. And then he was like, okay, buckle down, pragmatic Russell, how George always is, and pick them off one by one, one by one, until he got to ninth place at the, at the yeah. flag. And he did what he needed to do from what he could from that position. And that's what he did in every position where he was in the, in the race. He was in second. What he needed to do was to get into first. So he did. When he was in first, he needed to gap Bottas. And he did. And when he pitted, he needed to get the clutch right and do all of that. And he did. And he did everything right. And I think it's, it's the only solace he can take. I know he, he, was so, he was gutted to not get pole. Imagine how he feels today. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Do you think it was the right decision by Mercedes to double stack? Obviously, yeah. in hindsight, it wasn't, but... Oh, you think it wasn't? No, in hindsight, in hindsight it wasn't, because they completely oh. screwed it up. But um, I'd, I'd agree, I think. Yeah, it's the right at the time, isn't it? Yeah, they, you know, they've got to, you know, to preserve a 1-2, which is what they're always the aiming for. The entire advantage behind them Yeah, they would, they would have been on, they would have been on, what, 15 lap hard tyres? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the others didn't pit as well directly behind them, but I think they would have been a bit vulnerable. And, you know, how normally when these things happen, they do get it right 99% of the time. So yeah. it was just unfortunate yeah. it didn't. And I believe Total Wolf has said that there was a radio uh, problem on one side of the garage. I'm not sure whether right. it was Bottas's or Russell's yet, but that was why there was uh, confusion. Uh, and yeah, Freddie, Fred, you think. Russell might even, so as we're recording this now, you think he might lose his points as well, Russell, because of the penalty? I just don't see why the penalty is not slam dunk. He's under investigation, and even if it's a 10 second, five second penalty, he won't, then he'll lose his um, fastest lap point as well. Mm, so yeah. the three points he's got in the bin, I think. And I just see this incident before, haven't we, with Bottas? A few Bottas years in the Spa in 2015. They, that was more visual. Because you could see the yellow tire, the yellow prime tire on, the yellow option tire on with the white primes on that day, and that was that ruined the race for Williams because they were fighting for a podium with Grosjean and Vettel, and after because after Bottas put it, put in mega drives in 2015, and then the team let him down quite a lot, and that's happened today for Russell, and. Yeah, I just think it's a slam dunk penalty. Um, they needed to do it because cars behind strolls on fresh mediums. Um, and even if even if they were, even if he couldn't get past Ocon, which he didn't, there could have been a few um, 
connotations where maybe then if Stroll had an accident restart, you could have had more pace than the Mercedes. They didn't know that. They don't know what's going to go on at the restart. So they may as well take every event, every possibility to put themselves in the best position for the restart and the best position for the rest of the race. So it's the right decision to pit. It's the yeah. right decision to double stack when you've got a five-second, six-second gap that you've built into the, you've baked into the, into the race. They had so much control based on when they let Bottas pit and let Russell pit that mm. to let it just slip away in 30 seconds just because, like you say, a miscommunication error, which is, it's, uh, it's so common. And we have all these Zoom calls and every call there's a little click in it and that kind of thing. So it's such an obvious thing to go wrong, which is even worse, is they'll be kicking themselves. They'll have fixed it immediately because they realised the problem. I find the punctures really strange. Like, so he had two punctures, didn't he? Well, unless my memory's gone crazy. They said, it, they said he had a slow puncture, yeah. Um, I'd more on earth did they come from? That really... No, oh, it's got to be a cut on the curves. I don't know whether there was a bit of... Um, a bit of so they had one puncture. Um, whether he got a cut from Aiken's wing or um, mm. something like that. I, we don't know. Um, we'll yeah. get, there will be a Pirelli investigation into that because um, there, there always is. And I think if you just keep an eye on Pirelli, then you'll see yeah. a press release But um, in, on Tuesday or something. But we don't know. It's just it's what happens. It happened to Bottas last week. I don't know what it has anything to do with yeah. what I think. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's something to do with the pressures these tyres run, which are rock-hard pressures, like insane pressures for a racing car. So... We don't, we're not tyre experts. No. In any that sense. That is true. But we know a slow puncture doesn't come from nothing. Yeah. Didn't the Saints have one earlier in the year as well? I can't remember where. Was it Imola? Oh, it I can't remember. Yeah. I just feel they've had a few this season. I, I do remember, I remember the one you're on about, but I can't. I don't think it was Imola. Was, was Bottas is a slow, it, Silverstone was Bottas is a slow puncture. No, it was a blowout. But Hamilton is a slow puncture. No, it was a blowout too. We finished on three wheels. Um, we don't know. Um, no. We'll remember. You will know us, let's dear listener, because you'll be <laughs> shouting at us like we shout at Sky Sports. But um, anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of which, and without wishing to sound like Nico Rosberg, Nigel is Bottas's Mercedes career over? Uh, no, because you've got a contract for next year. Yeah. After that. After that. Is it sealed for twenty? Likely. Highly likely. Uh, I mean, he just to get it was the one. Oh God, it was just the one thing he didn't need to happen to get outshone by mm. Russell, and he, he was outperformed ultimately over the weekend. Uh, and that was even before his his <laughs> lack of pace in, in the race, I guess. But yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, what is the point in having him for next year, though, knowing like if they're going to stick Russell Nelson for 2022, or knowing that Bottas yeah. won't, won't be there in 2020? What's the point in even having him for next year? Because they have to have him next year, don't they? They have yeah. to have a driver in the car. Oh. But, but it doesn't help. They're not allowed to have Russell. Well, if they're allowed to have Russell for this weekend, why can't you have Russell for next season? Okay, I'm asking in Hungary when they said, <laughs> William said no. Yeah, I mean, because he's a really good, they're allowed to have him this weekend because they want to have a good relationship, but Williams do because they've already denied one thing and they know it's only for two weeks. They, 
they've got him back for next year because they've, they, the reason Williams signed a three-year contract with George Russell is because he's mega. Um, Williams are going to play hardball on this and they've taken up the option. Unfortunately, unfortunately for Williams, they're probably kicking themselves that they signed that, that George Russell wasn't in their academy five years ago, frankly. I think, yeah, it's the only way I could see it going through is if Mercedes has another superstar in their academy that they could bring in and kind of, you know, off, yeah, offer something like that on, you know, three contract, but they don't, you know, it's not. I don't think there's anyone like Russell, Russell's junior career at the moment in, you know, coming through. So it, it's, it, it's annoying. Does. And it's annoying for us as fans as well, because, you know, we'd love, you know, Bottas can't take it to Hamilton over the course of a season. And we'd love to see where Russell stacks up you know, on that. And Bottas just looked like he was under pressure the whole weekend. From FP1, you know, he was making errors. He was, you know, having to bought a lot of, bought a lot of running, you know, kind of fast laps because he, you know, was making errors and he just looked under pressure the whole three days. For Bottas, there is a caveat to Friday, which is that he picked up floor damage that couldn't be changed in between the two sessions that did slow him down. Mm -hmm. And he did have one deleted lap time for the quali runs that was faster than Russell's by a chunk, not faster yeah. than just by but, a little bit wider you know, track. Like, like Nigel said, he's, not, yeah, he's, he was he's been wrestled. Yeah, I, I just don't... I mean, you know, obviously they've got to keep him. You know, they don't have an option contractually to bring Russell in, you know, because what uh, Williams don't gain from that at all, you know. So it, it's, it's just really sad. I think, you know, it's also sad for Russell because will he get this opportunity again, you know, if he goes to Mercedes, you know, and they slide back down the order, you know, there's a myriad of things that could go wrong. So, oh, it, it's so sad for us. I'm, I'm absolutely gutted. It's really sad but, for him. I think, I, yeah, I think he'll get the opportunity again. Uh, was Bottas's performance as bad as people say, though? Because he was ultimately yeah. on hard tyres. He was on the hard tyre that he had taken off, wasn't he? And what, that's why it's before badly. Over the whole weekend, it's kind of in the context of it's a bit like Leclerc coming into Ferrari last year and you know, just outperforming mm. Vettel, but it's kind of taken to a new level because he was just coming in for the weekend. I think it's kind of within the context of all that, it's you know, that's kind of where where the problems come from. And also, you know, he don't forget he didn't have Verstappen. The next quickest drivers on you know, on Saturday in Verstappen and Leclerc, you know, went out on the first corner and couldn't challenge him. So, you know, he didn't have that extra challenge to begin with. And, you know, it is hard to judge his performance on the hard tyres at the end. But equally, it's not the first time it's happened to him that he struggled to come through the field when he's been further back. It is a trait that Bottas has. But the hard tyres at the end, I think, it, it come into the reason why Mercedes pit in the first place. Because he was put onto the tyres that they had taken off of him. Yeah. And they couldn't. And so if it had been... Russell, who they realised it with, and put his old tyres back on to avoid that penalty, then Russell would have lost 20 seconds as well. In the first place, uh, he didn't, but and then would have been on the old hards. They gave, Russell had an opportunity to pit for fresher tyres at that point. That's where you kind, of, it's, you kind of need to stop judging Bottas. But, yeah, he was in second at that point, and your point stands yeah. for that. Well, um, Bottas' not... final stint is based on tyres that were gone, gone, basically, and didn't work on yeah. Mercedes. Nigel, do you think it's as bad as kind of we're making out then? I, I I think you can only judge the first well until the 
Jack Aitken safety. I think that's where you could only judge Bottas. And yeah, he was outperformed, but I don't think it. I, it wasn't. Uh, he's had worse races this year, I'd say. Yeah, I'd uh, say. Monza was terrible. Um, uh, but yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, if, if Russell is as good as people make out, then Bottas's performance wasn't as bad as people think. You know, that's if, interesting. If people, yeah, because he kept. If you with rate it. Russell so high, then. Yeah. But that's not saying you kept with him when it's his first race in a competitive car for two years. But it's not like he's not. If it was Van Dorn doing he didn't that, drop, he'd be drop monster. Off. It, it, like, it, Russell has his race fit. He drove in the race last week, and he knows 2020 tires and he's and all of that kind of thing. He's he's 2020 Formula One fit, isn't he? To be fair. Yeah. If it was like Jack Aitken's just come into a Formula One car that he's only driven in one practice session <laughs> into like the Mercedes, or if it was like Van Dorn coming in and doing that, I think it'd be even more impressive, more impressive for them and anti Bottas than Russell coming in from someone full race fit, knows everything he needs to know from a base level going into the car. Um, so he's got the, that in his locker at least. Um, and we, we all said this in the preview podcast, the new track is level playing fields and the rest of it is, so, is, is basically level playing field as well because there's so many differences in the wings because you, they were going to go flat through two and three last week and they were lifting off even in the Mercedes over this week. You know, there's just everything, Russell, you know, in, in one of the, I think, first practice, you know, his, his brake balance was the opposite way to Williams. So he kind of spent... You know, he had a radio message where he said, "Could we swap the brake balance switch around?" Because you know, for you know, flicked it one way to change it at Williams, and the other way to say, "You know, there's all of this, and it's the car that he's not, you know, built for, not used to." I just think and yeah, you can't I, judge it on one one race. Well, no, but you can't judge it on one race, and um, I don't think we're going. We're only going to be able to judge it on one race. Yeah, um, we don't know Lewis Hamilton's position. He is in a very difficult position with his COVID. He's not asymptomatic. We know that much. We know he is very ill, to be honest. He's not worryingly ill, but he's very ill. And um, in the way that Formula One is, the way we all automatically think from that is, what does this mean for Abu Dhabi for the next race? And I think we can't really think about that until Thursday, really. Um, but And we can't really think about uh, Russell in the Mercedes until 2022 when he's potentially up against um, the greatest of all time in Lewis Hamilton, a man who has flawed Bottas and will we have Russell flawed by Hamilton? We don't know. So but, that's, yeah. that's the next test for Russell and I think that's all we can say on the matter. I now. think it's, it's not ideal to you know, base it all off one race but equally it's kind of all we've got you know, it's, it's, the, it's the big story from the weekend is or you know uh, the the biggest long you know bigger picture story from the weekend and uh, you know all we've got to judge it on is this weekend you know maybe we'll have more next weekend we don't know well i'll say this max just when he joined red bull he won his first race with red bull twice spain 2016 you know everyone says he's outstanding but say if the next race was his first race monaco 2016 Everyone will be slating him because he crashed in practice and crashed in 
no, Crafton qualified or Prats, I can't remember, he misqualified. Yeah, he had a he had a really scruffy race. He was yeah, he was pretty poor. So and and say say that was his first race and that was his one and only race. I don't think anyone would have thought Verstappen would be great, but instead it was Spain twenty sixteen and he won it. So you know, you gotta look at those two things and those two races were back to back. So say Russell he races in Abu Dhabi then has a shocker, then you know, then yeah. it all changes again, which is why I, I always have this thing of Yes, you can look amazing first race, and yes, it is your first race. You can all learn everything because it's a new team. But then the next race, you might have a shocker, and then all the same people, all the you know, just everyone. Yeah, I think that's the argument as well, isn't it? I think that is fair, but equally, and I know you're not saying this, but it does take something special to come in in a performance like this. Um, So yeah, you know, we'll wait and see. What happens? Obviously, you know we we don't want Lewis, you know, ill we, for F one. You know, he's he's the best driver in the last ten, fifteen years at least, and you know he should be on the grid. But from a fan standpoint, you know, again, we won't see this Bottas Russell matchup again. Um, the the other kind of major talking point from the race was, as we already alluded to several times, the turn for incident on the first lap in which took Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc out of the race and also dropped Paris to the back of the grid. Um, Remember him? What were your, what were both your thoughts on that? I mean, initially in commentary, Martin Brunzel was blaming uh, Perez quite heavily. And then, you know, kind of after the, after Leclerc and Verstappen did TV interviews, Verstappen blamed Leclerc, Leclerc took the blame himself. Nigel, what was kind of, do you think that's fair assessment? Yeah, I think it was Leclerc's fault. I think he just breaks a little bit too late. It wasn't quite under control. Uh, yeah, I'd say it was Leclerc's fault. <laughs> it was greasy from Leclerc, and that was it, frankly. Um, and that's the first lap incident. And that's it, really. Um, people are going to come barreling into corners. Um, and it was a fraction too late, and he was he had a wheel in there, and he chose to play that wheel. And that's what you need to do in racing, yeah. But yeah. it... it came back to bite him and Perez um, and Verstappen tried to avoid it. And I, I had a bit of a rant to Adam about this because that's why you go on track walks is to realise there's a gravel track there. So you don't try Verstappen and, do gravel the track track walks. and you have no grip on it <laughs> and hit the wall in the most stupid instant we've seen in a Formula One race in recent memory for me. Ooh. I don't get that crash. Ooh. He drove into the wall. Well, the staff doesn't do the track walks, funnily enough. So that's, that's uh, exactly what I, yeah. that's exactly what I yeah. just said. He doesn't do the track walks, so. and then everyone, Adam pointed it out. But like, yeah, everyone puts in hours and hours of effort to get the minimal fraction of a second of lap time for that car. The the Red Bull have have proved so much this year. Um, like when he when he unpitted on um when he didn't go to the pits in Hungary, say. And they fixed the suspension on the grid and then he finished second in that race. And that's, you know, that's where he rewards the work from the team. Um, but like him, Raikkonen, um, Hamilton actually as well. But these guys are like, oh, we've been to the track before, whatever. Um, we know it. And that's why Raikkonen got lost in Interlagos in 2012, famously, <laughs> because he thought there was an escape road there that was there in 2002 or something. So these things change. They're different. It's a gravel track in the dark. It is gravel the same colour as the tarmac runoff. So don't just boot it because you'll go into the wall. I don't and know. Lose a race. Even if he braked or lifted, though, I think the gravel would have drew him into the wall. I think. 
He wouldn't have knocked his tire off. Yeah, well, I don't know if if he breaks, he will. He dead, if you he break would, rather than Binotti lifting off and coasting around uh, Leclerc mm. and Perez, if you break there, then he would have made the corner because he was breaking for the corner. He broke really early, Verstappen. He would have made yeah. the corner. Yeah, he wasn't carrying yeah. a lot of speed. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Actually, thinking about it, yeah, I just think it's 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 a rare dim moment from Verstappen, and mm. I mean, yeah, he'll he'll come back from it, but and because he, he's got the kudos to come back from it, but <laughs> I think he he really really missed a trick today. Yeah, I mean Leclerc though, it, it's not he breaked really late at the first corner last week, didn't he? Against Vettel, and Vettel was mm. very angry about that, and that he did the same today. He's very aggressive. When it comes to the opening lap in the Ferrari, and yeah, uh, yeah, I think the difference it, between, there's a difference between breaking late and overtaking uh, Alpha Tauri yeah. and breaking late and going up the inside of a Red Bull and a Mercedes. Yeah, I think I think that I think in general he has got the right balance. But I just think today yeah. again, you know, it's like it's like seven out eight out of, eight eight out of ten times he'll get it right. And I think today was just one of those two out of ten moments where. Yeah, for both yeah, of them, I'm stupid. For both of them, it's rare costly mistakes, and they won't make the costly mistakes next week because they're two exceptional drivers. But I think it, yeah. it, just the fact that it happens two times in a row, you know, it's it's whether it's fair or not. You know, people then talk about it. You make the connection, and you know, it's 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 one of those. I think it's also you know the difference between going around the outside, where you know if you break and shoes up, it affects anyone else's race really. And it did. I don't eat. I think he, he only had a wheel in there because he braked too late. You know, he yeah. wasn't, yeah. I don't think he yeah. was alongside at all kind of when they entered the braking zone or going down the straight. And, it, you know, it, Perez turned in because he didn't expect Leclerc to be there and Leclerc wouldn't have been there if he retained control of his car. But it's, it's just... There is an argument silly. for Perez maybe taking a, a degree of caution because the last time there was the potential for a car to go up the inside of a racing point, it was Danny Kvyat flipping Lance Stroll last week at the second restart when Lance Stroll just turns into the apex. And so there is argument for a degree of caution at turning into the apex when there's lots of close racing, but that's not in his remit as a racing driver. So I don't think Perez is at fault in any way there. I mean, yeah, I mean, then you just ask, how wide do you go? Because like I say, he goes wide and it happens. Then, you know, you can't drive yeah, off the track. You've got to turn it at some point. Then you put lanes in a racetrack and then it becomes yeah. just a motorway. I will say, Leclerc's qualifying lap. I mean, it was a lap of the gods. Unbelievable yeah. lap. Wow. Just... Yeah. He went second with <laughs> it at the time. Believe. And could only be better. He was still two tenths off pole. <laughs> wow. Outrageous. I mean, yeah, you can, you can drag it. You can drag it. A car around a track, can't he? He can hustle it. Yeah, uh, it, I think it's a shame. That's what makes a crash more of a shame, I think, for me, is that you know it will then take away from that. It won't be what people remember from the weekend, yeah. which, yeah, which is right, yeah. it should be really. But that's you know, it's just the way that's the, the people's fault, not his fault. <laughs> and Verstappen was right. five milliseconds off pole. He was. Yeah. As nearly as close to Russell as Russell was to Bottas, a little bit, a little bit away, an immeasurable bit away, basically. Yeah, I think I, I know the gap. They worked out the gap in distance between Russell and Bottas would be 1.8 meters over the lap, which is just so would nothing it be about, at all. Would it be about oh, four uh, meters between Bottas and Verstappen? Then 
it's a free grid place penalty for Charles Leclerc at, at the next race and three penalty points to his supervisor. Three penalty points, that's interesting. Yeah. That's quite, that's that's quite, quite harsh. Yeah, that is quite high. Um, yeah. have, do we have any words on um, George yet? Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to be raising that. I think considering some of the moves we see, as Freddie headbutts the lamp, um, considering <laughs> some of the moves we see, um, I don't think yeah, I don't think it was malicious. I think that's you know it wasn't it was ill judged, but it wasn't yeah, it, it was just over optimistic more than anything else. Like. It's really annoying because if he carried on in the race, he would have got a five second time penalty, and a five second time penalty is not equivalent to a free grid place penalty in my yeah. at all. So. He uh, couldn't carry on. His, his wheel fell off as soon as he tapped Paris. <laughs> so if he did carry on, it would have been an even more super, superhuman effort. <laughs> from what I really liked is kind of as he came round, it, it, it looked like he was trying to get back onto the racetrack, but Verstappen was kind of in the way because he was to the left of Verstappen and the racetrack carried on round on the right. And then he just kind of sadly just kind of just turned left and just parked up. It was like, oh, that's that then. So. Yeah, he's got a sad end for both of them. But, you know, I think the the response he's shown, you know, he's taken responsibility for it and, you know, he'll move on. And I've no doubt, you know, he'll... It, it's mature and, you know, I'm sure he'll put in another good performance over the weekend at Abu Dhabi as well. If two drivers we've not mentioned <laughs> yet, which... Or oh, not really talked about yet, which is surprising considering they... <laughs> well, one took their maiden podium and yeah. one, you know, completed the first double podium for his team in a long time is Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll. Yeah. Very, very good job. Yeah, what, what did we make of the races? Because with everything else going on, they didn't get too many mentions. It was just quietly good from both of them, really. Yeah, I mean, so... They both took advantage of the first virtual safety car, didn't they? Which is how they jumped up the order ahead of Sainz, Ricardo, Fiat. So I guess they looked into that. But as we always say, you've got to put yourself in that position to take advantage. And then uh, I think they both drove smartly as well. They both kept the heads, which was key. And yeah, I mean, Stroll, he did, what, 42 laps on the soft tyres yeah. through his first stint. So that was pretty impressive. Uh, and yeah, Ocon probably with his best race of the season or one of his best races races of the season. So yeah, a bit of luck, but fantastic results for for, for both of them. Yeah, they um they both lengthened it out for the one stop when they didn't need to. Stroll was in the gaggle of the two stoppers, the um, Ricardo Science, the Alpha Tauris. Um, Alpha Tauri didn't split their strategy, which is interesting considering Ocon and Stroll were right with them and they just went long and made the most of it, and they had the track position that they needed to, and track position is so even even in the slipstream heavy, straight line super duper track of secure outer layout um, they had track position, and that gave them both podiums, frankly, because they were there they, were, they had the advantage on the Mercedes to jump them the advantage that um, Sainz and Ricardo and the like didn't so they were in the position to benefit, and they did benefit. And I think, yeah, Renault pulled the blind up by putting Ocon on the mediums because not many people did. Um, mm. And it would have looked bad when Norris jumped from 19th to 9th in the opening like two or three laps on soft tyres. Um, clap, clap, clap to him. But the mediums came into their own for Ocon, and he was able to just go through the race. 
and just yeah he did have it he seems to have clicked in Bahrain he was so yeah. good on pace and qualifying last week and he's clicked a bit this week his qualifying pace wasn't amazing but he's learned how to race this car mm. yeah he's starting to come on isn't he and that's what we like to see at, uh, towards the end of the season uh, because it hasn't been the best season mm-hmm. for, for Ocon but if you can do just if we could do more of the same in Abu Dhabi, then yeah. I think I think he can start. He can take a lot of confidence from that into next year. Do you think it is a sign of better things to come, or do you think it's a strong one-off performance? Because I, oh. I, I, I think he's been quite disappointing this year, and I think with Alonso coming in, it's not going to get any easier. If anything, it's going to get harder. I kind of I feel like this this might be a kind of brilliant career moment for him, but not indicative of longer term success. The thing with Ocon for me is that when he got the chance at Force India, he was not that close to Perez, and then he pulled it up through the season. He worked at it and worked at it, and for the second season at Force India, he was better than Perez by a mile. Really, he was the faster driver in that in that car, and. You both and everyone will remember the clamour Espen Ocon being replaced by Lance Stroll. Um, and they said, oh, everyone was basically saying Espen Ocon's the one who deserves the seat, not Perez, really, because he had performed better. And so Ocon really can... Um, so it's amazing how things switch in Formula 1, basically, first, A. And B, Ocon can grow into a car. Unfortunately, he's been stepped back a bit by his year out. And... I think, yeah, this has been a much more of a baptism of fire being alongside Daniel Ricciardo than alongside Sergio Perez um, for Ocon. But I think based on previous form, which is a cardinal sin in Formula 1, for a lot of, based on previous season's form, um, I do think there's a chance for Ocon that this could hopefully prove the boost to be a little bit of a, not a turning point, but a point that a landing ground can be perceived for the change in his time at Renault. I hope, but Ricardo's absolutely walked over him yeah. for the most part of the season. And where it's been, where it has been required for a driver to step up, Ricardo's done it, not Ocon. And the Ocon of old can do that. And it's whether he can unlock that again. And I think this past few weekends, he's been really good and he's close to it. But, you know, he's going to get a soccer punch when Alonso is in that car. I mean, yeah, Ben's. How well Alonso is with his return, but I do think with Ocon the gap has closed to Ricardo. I think early on in the ra- in the season, the first five or six races, the gap was relatively big. I think it was a few tenths, but more recently he's just been a tenth or so behind yeah. in qualifying, hundreds, thousands. So he's made p- clear progress, which is which is the good sign for, for me. Yeah, and then. On Stroll, it's his first points apart from two in Turkey since Monza. So he's had two two podiums, sandwiched by not a lot. It's it's good to see him coming back from that. You know, as even if you don't like Stroll, and I know some people do not, because you know Aston Martin are losing Perez, they're getting Vettel, and we don't. You know, we don't know what to expect from Vettel, but I think, you know, it, it's good to have him coming back into form just, you know, for competition as much as anything else. Um, yeah, it is. It's really good. And he he did drive well today. 
he got the podium and he yeah. was there to he was there to capitalize and he had more pace than knock on at the end unfortunately he couldn't get past he only finished what uh second and a bit behind i think um so and he was within half a second for a lot of the time and he probably uh, probably should have got a move done probably should have made it a one two but he was so close to doing so so that's good for stroll after definitely a run of poor form Mm, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think he has been a little bit unlucky as well recently. He also mm. so when he had COVID, did he miss two races or just a one race? He missed the one, one race. It was Nurburgring that he missed, but he had a severe bout of lung COVID, um, mm. which wasn't the news at the time. Yes, but it's definitely a thing. People do have underlying issues from that, and he had he had it bad from what we've heard from Racing Point and. That's not going to be much of his private yeah. life that we're going to hear about. He had a very rough time of it, and he had a rough time uh, getting used to reused to Formula One. It's going to be hard. You've just had a, pa- a pandemic level illness, and then you're getting back into um, r- roller coaster level G forces higher than that, way higher than that. Uh, 50 laps a week, majority of the time, hour and a half of racing. So he's yeah. he's. Yeah, everyone who's had COVID in Formula One has had a struggle to get back into it. Sergio Perez did as well. Look at his Barcelona performance. Lance Stroll was way ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, that's he, the thing. Literally a month after he had to miss the Nürburgring, he stuck it on pole in Turkey. Yeah. yeah. One of the incredible laps. And, you know, he was leading the race by 10 seconds at one point. And, and that was just two weeks yeah. ago, wasn't it, at Turkey? Yeah. It feels like it's such a long time ago. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah today uh, in Bahrain, Oh, no, was, yeah, sorry, not two, four weeks ago. I'm yeah. losing my mind. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, good on, good on stroll. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got um, there's two, been two Bahrain Grand Prix, yeah. hasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then skipping through a few more, Carlos Sainz, did he have a top three performance of the day, do you think? Because he was yeah. right yeah. up there until he pitted after the VSC uh, when Latifi was retiring, but McLaren just got the timing wrong. You know, it's not, it's, Hard error to blame anyone really for. He came into the pits just as the VSC ended. Um, but he, yeah. needed, he needed to pit then, unfortunately, anyway. Yeah. If he didn't pit then, he would have had to go to the end. That was the last chance for him to pit based on where his rivals were in the race. Um, so, unfortunately for Science, he was uh, messed over a bit by that. But that's it. Yeah. And I think you're right. Top three drive. I think we've all got Perez and Russell on top. And then we mentioned him earlier for having a really good drive. But he, yeah. He deserved that podium, really, and yeah. he had a he had a pigeon in his bedroom on his Instagram stories, which is a bad omen. So the bad omen is the fourth place finish, which is actually really good. Yeah, I completely agree with Freddie. There, definitely a top three drive for me. Just had the misfortune of the virtual safety car. It was a misfortune. Yeah, mm. and I think it, it's massive for McLaren to have him there for the. Mm constructors because it's kept them a bit in touch for that you know if he'd been out and obviously Norris had his grim penalty it would have been quite grim um moving on to Ricardo is it an opportunity for Mr Ricardo he finished fifth he wasn't he was there but not really there last of the late breakers couldn't overtake and that was what was interesting for Ricardo he's normally always you know he's going to get a move done he's going to get the racing done but he didn't quite, unfortunately, for him, which is rare for Ricardo. But he had the, the he had the pace that he could get from the Renault, and he was stuck yeah. in a DRS train, and that was it, unfortunately. Yeah, he was um, stuck behind Science, wasn't he? I think he stayed with yeah. Science all race, and he was with Science at the end of the race. And 
I think all that got in um, Ricardo's way was probably a slightly, a slightly different start for Science, and that was it. If Ricardo positioned maybe slightly differently, we probably need to watch both of these starts back. But if he positioned slightly differently, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been ahead of Science and should have been in the position that Science was in. So I think the only issue with Ricardo's drive is that he couldn't get alongside Science. And that's just because Science's drive was so good. So if it was yeah. 10 out of 10 by Science, it was 9.5 out of 10 by Ricardo. Yeah. Wow, that's beautifully put. I couldn't have said it better, better myself. I'll, I'll let you do the next one, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all good. Yeah. Is it Alex Alvin the next one? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we touched on him. I, I've, I've said all I think I need to say on this. I don't know if either of you do or if we can move on to Danny Kvyat. I think we should move, move on to Danny Kvyat because he had yeah, a great... I agree. <laughs> he, had, he had a quietly brilliant weekend. Yeah, he, was he, was, he was good all the way through. He was sixth on the grid. Yeah. How'd that happen? <laughs> Nigel, it's yours. Uh, I don't know what to say, yeah. He was, I think it was his best, one of his best qualifying laps of the year. And, yeah, back to with a good race, especially given how well Gasly has been doing as well. So, mm. I mean, what more can you say? <laughs> yeah, and another driver who looks like won't be on the grid next season. Um, yeah, it's a fitting nearly swan song for him to go out on you know it's, it was slightly unlucky you know considering he was so strong on the weekend that maybe he didn't finish a bit higher up but you know still seventh is a great result obviously Bottas and Russell we've talked about at great length and Norris Lando Norris rounded out the top 10 I think he's another one where it feels like he he could have had you know he could have been there if it wasn't for his um, his penalty really yeah. But yeah, he had a brilliant start, Norris. Um, getting in the points, yeah, that's all he really could have done from where he started. And he was on the back of the DRS train that he couldn't get through, really. And he stayed there. He got to the position that he should have finished the race in really early on. And that made the rest of his race look a bit worse, but it was really good. Yeah, so. um, yeah. it all stems from qualified, didn't it, when the team yeah. sent him out to early, didn't have a slipstream. Yeah. Mm. Um, that, kind of, that kind of... Put his week, put his weekend on the back foot, but I think yeah. he recovered quite well, I'd say. Mm. Um, and just rounding out the finishers, the two rookies, Jack Aitken and Pietro Fittipaldi, both finished. Mm. Jack Aitken was, I think, very impressive. He improved, and this is what he said after qualifying, he improved every time he got in the car over the weekend, which is all you can really ask for, mm. for someone in his position. He might get another chance next weekend and you know back him to take it and he was head of Latifi for a lot of Q1 yeah um, he, was a, he, he did yeah. brilliant qualifying he's a tenth off Latifi only at the death and he went a little bit wide at the final corner if he hadn't gone wide at the final corner he would have been um, probably 17th on the grid um, in qualifying and he started around there anyway due to the grid penalties but that was, he had a really really solid yeah. job Pietro fit a penalty as well did all he needed to do really he wasn't well, brought in as a race fit driver he, he was brought in as a driver Finished the race. He finished the race. He finished. Well, how far off was he from uh, Aitken? A few seconds, and that's about it, really. Um, Yeah, he didn't do much else, but he didn't have to do much else for Tapaldi. Nothing was expected from Tapaldi in a really hard car to drive. I think they both did much better than I thought, to be honest. Me too. I'll say that. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a shame that all Aitken will be remembered for is setting the dominoes off that led to (laughs) Russell. Losing to be honest, because and a nice helmet, 
Yeah, actually, his helmet was very good. <laughs> I, I like the 89 race number on the Williams as well. I thought that looked quite good. Think, yeah, Russell's helmet be... reminds me of when Schumacher was at Mercedes. It's really, it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's fun. It, I thought it worked though. It's a bit, it's a bit like Ocon's helmet. I didn't wear that in Mercedes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Fittipaldi, we don't know whether he'll be back. You know, this will be something to talk about next week, whether he'll be coming back for Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah, he, it, it, would, it was a difficult opportunity to take and kind of make something off. But, you know, he didn't embarrass himself. He did a good race. His first Brazilian driver on the bridge since Felipe Massa. Just Which is why he was third in the driver of the day, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, wow. just to finish Bless up, um, what was our or each of our moments of the Grand Prix? No. I've got mine. I'll go first. It was Perez taking the lead, really, actually. Um, because at least from the, <coughs> the deluge of despair from the Mercedes muck-ups, you had the, the joy of the the underdog of the year and the most hard done to driver of the year Sergio Perez taking the lead of a Grand Prix by the scruff of the neck and really being in a position to win that race and I think with the opportunity gone for Russell the fact that it went to Perez is the moment of the race to me does that make does that work yeah I mean it's kind of a, a moment a changing does of a the moment in the race Freud is what it is does no. a moment have to for be Perez a good was a moment what, sorry? Does it, does it have to be a good thing? Because I was going to say... What's your, what your favourite moment? What's the your oh, favourite? Oh, yeah. Well, favourite moment is... Yeah, probably the probably Perez on the podium with the emotion and the stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, just after the race because he was crying on the on the way back into the, into yeah. the paddock and stuff. So I'm always going to yeah. remember that. Probably, probably that. I think, I think for me, it was actually... On Jack, it was Russell's overtake of Bottas after the safety car period. Oh, was just yeah, absolutely good. stunning. Yeah, he he he'd been watching but, the F two races. Yeah, Bottas, Bottas was on the back foot, and yeah, just he 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 took it wide around the outside of turn six. It looked like they were going to crash at one point, or yeah, it was real heart in mouth stuff. And you know, then got it done on the brakes into turn seven. I just thought that was kind of a standout moment for me it and was a really clever move because he yeah. knew where to put the car in relation to where Bottas was going to go he knew where he had to put Bottas onto the inside of turn six so that into turn seven Russell had the inside of the to the kick of the chicane yeah. so he could then put his car alongside uh, yeah he was on fresher tires and he could break a bit later but he could force Bottas mm. out a bit and force Bottas to go onto the compromised dirty really dusty sandy line of the of the racetrack and Forced himself up up alongside and ahead of mm. Bottas. It was clever racing. Science did the same thing, though, which is why mm. I haven't said that. I think he did it a lap later to Bottas, which was just right. as impressive, if, if not more impressive, because he's in a McLaren. Mm. So yeah. there were there were a few. He was in older tires too. There were a few good yeah. moves. There was a good um, good battle between was it Science Albon and Perez. But there were a few good battles going on through the essays. Because of the track, I thought. Yeah, it was a very good track. I think it was my favourite addition to the calendar um, for this year. One word, one word answer, was it yours? Uh, yes. No. Well, there we go. There he is out on it. Um, <laughs> but I think we all agreed that it was a spectacular, spectacular race and feel very privileged to watch it. And, you know, it got a fairy tale ish 
ending, which is you don't always get in sport, and you know it's nice to see that every once in a while. Um, and that will wrap up our review of the crazy madcap, brilliant Sakir Grand Prix, and we will be back next week to preview the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the season finale. The F1 season is coming to an end, finally, nearly at Christmas, and we'll be there to look at all the news that comes out, and I'm sure there will be that comes out over the next few days, and I'm really looking forward to that. So I will see you both then, but for now, goodbye. Bye-bye.